In this episode, we're introducing you to the types of exhibitions, both online and in-person, that the university provides, as well as conversations surrounding accessibility and overall objectives. Part one of this episode has already been released, but it doesn't matter which order you listen to these episodes in, or indeed if you wish to pick and choose. In the third and final part of episode eight, the conversation surrounds the exhibition process, curator vision and visitor experience. I was going to ask how long you'd been at the CRC. You'd said that you started kind of pandemic time. Yes. So I started in um, January of 2020 um, towards the end of the month. So I had roughly about six weeks on site, which was really great in some ways because I actually got to see people that I would go on to work with for for the last two years now in person. So when we were all sent to work from home, I had a little bit more context for the people that I was seeing on Teams every day. And then it was a bit of a strange first year, but I would say that after my first year of maternity cover was en- ended, a new role was made, which I successfully applied for at the start of 2021. So it has brought my time at the CRC to two years, and it's been a wonderful two years. <laughs> I take it then everything was kind of quite affected by COVID-19, especially initially. Yes, um, as someone who came on board to look after a physical exhibition program that obviously immediately halted and I wasn't really sure what they would want from me for for the rest of the the time that I was in post for that maternity cover. Um, I wasn't furloughed and I think I was really lucky because they decided to use some of my other skills to think about what else we could do, um, not dissimilar to other institutions. Um, and so essentially the job I have now would not have existed had it not been for this massive change to our sector and realizing the potential of doing more work online. And I think the time, um, particularly the first year, gave us a space to think about what we wanted to do. We didn't, we weren't as rapid as other institutions to sort of pick up on new trends, um, but it did give us the time to see what other people were doing and to think about what we wanted to contribute. And in my current role, which I started last year, is when we decided to commission our own platform. Um, it gave us the space and the resource to really formalize the work that I do um, now. And I think our program is much stronger because of it. I've just had some really great news from Malcolm, who you've already spoken to on this podcast, that our exhibition that we did online has helped support a uh, new pat- repatriation request for skulls that were mentioned in our phrenology exhibition. So it's really great to see that our online exhibitions are reaching people out with Edinburgh. And I think mm-hmm. that's just shows that it's an important area for us to work in. And it definitely also allowed me to bring digital skills to um, to the CRC, which weren't going to be used in my traditional role as, a, as an exhibitions officer, which is the role that I came in initially. Um, I think it really uses all of my skills that I have from prior work experience, which is always wonderful to be able to use them in your current role. Mm, totally. Uh, yeah, there's been several online exhibitions recently. You said they were kind of quite diverse. Would you be able to give us an idea of what sort of projects or topics have been available? Yes. Yeah, so we um, 
I've just mentioned the one I did with Malcolm, the phrenology exhibition. Mm -hmm. So that's one I helped co-author, which I really enjoyed. I think it's uh, the anatomy collection is one of my favorites at the university. Uh, so that was one of our launch exhibitions together with a anniversary exhibition for Walter Scott, which I worked on with my colleague Paul Barnaby. And as for the other um, exhibitions that have gone up to date, I curate an exhibition called Sea Change, which is on the HMS Challenger, which is a expedition I'd already researched in my role at St. Andrews because Challenger material appears almost in every museum and every university museum collection. And uh, so this exhibition that we have online focuses on the Challenger papers that we have in the archive at the University of Edinburgh. And we also have some wonderful student exhibitions that were recently launched. It's the one thing that I'm really proud of, that the space is a place for us to invite people that would not maybe normally be able to contribute to our program because our program is quite tight and it's fixed for a number of years in our physical space. But the digital space is not fixed. There's plenty of space for everyone. And so we have two uh, exhibitions by master's students from ECA studying collections and curating practices, which one is on textiles and the other is on well-being. It's called Art and Mind. And both are just really great examples of bringing different voices to our, bringing different voices to our collections, but also in a curatorial perspective, seeing how cu curating can be different with, have different approaches. And particularly one of the exhibitions, Art and Mind, really, really embraces co-curation. So working with other staff and students in the on the campus. So it's a great experimental space for us. I think the platform is uh, an opportunity for us to do things that we don't do in our physical space. Mm, yeah, like you say, not as fixed. Are these online exhibitions still accessible? It's a really interesting uh, question because unlike temporary exhibitions in our uh, physical exhibition space, they could potentially be there forever. And it's something that it's a unique challenge because is that content relevant for as long as that? So it's something we're still working out, whether we think that the material that we put on our exhibitions platform should stay in perpetuity. I think um, it's a wonderful resource for people to happen upon, especially if it's a niched topic that someone's researching, then they might happen upon um, the exhibition by our students about you know, well-being. Um, some of the stuff they were doing is the first of its kind in, in many ways they were contributing to research so it does have a function unlike our physical space as a resource a resource both for the subject matter that they depict in their exhibitions but also on the practice of curating so I think it's especially online curating and I think a discussion that we still need to figure out and I think we collect all of our, our archivists are obviously working in the digital space and sort of born digital content is how do we want to archive the exhibitions that we have? So these are really open-ended things that we're thinking about just now. But I like that they have a life beyond just six months, like a six-month run in an exhibition space. I think it also gives us the opportunity to maybe return to them, like Malcolm's Phrenology exhibition, to tell a story that is continuing. I think that's mm -hmm. something that's really important about that space, which we wouldn't be able to do in a physical exhibition. Yeah, yeah, totally. Are these exhibitions put on, maybe this is more for the physical side of things, but are the exhibitions free to access? They are. I think that's something that we'd like to promote more about our exhibition gallery. It is just accessible just in front of the turnstiles of the university library. And I think it's not always clear that it's a very welcome space to both students and staff, but also of the general public. 
and definitely a free space. And I've been trying to work hard in our marketing to increase the size of the free admission so that people know that they are very, very welcome in that space and we want them to visit. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, if a university student wanted to go see what was on show through the CUC in person at the moment, they sh- where should they head to? So despite there being massive vinyl um, promotional material on the outside of the library, it's kind of a always a, a spot that I think people walk really quickly past. And so maybe they don't realize that there's a gallery just right there. So as you come into the library in the first set of doors, there's a second set of doors and immediately to your left is the exhibition gallery. So before you get to the turnstiles, you can turn left, blow the exhibition that we have and you come right out where you began. And you can make your way into the library to study or your way outside to enjoy the beautiful spring weather that we're having. (laughs) Nice, nice. And maybe that would be a little bit more difficult to get to the sixth floor for some of the other exhibitions. Yes, we we do have another display space on the sixth floor. It's called the Binks Wall. Uh, It doesn't have anything in it just now because during COVID, we didn't want people to feel a need to linger especially when we were thinking of social distancing. But obviously, with the easing of restrictions, we're quite keen to repopulate that space. It's a, it is a thoroughfare and it's quite a difficult display space. And the design of it is best suited to collections that are robust when it comes to light because the CRC is nice and bright and welcoming. But those are not always good conditions for collections items. So we are looking at a semi-permanent display, which should go in in a couple of weeks time after the uh, downstairs gallery is open, showcasing objects from across our collections. So I'm looking forward to repopulating that space and bringing some objects out from store, some interesting objects that uh, a range of in, in type and including uh, a core taken core sample taken from beneath the main library when they were building it in the 70s mm-hmm. so we have a core sample in an archive not something you think about as being in an archival collection and that's kind of the point is to show that it's not always what you think that we have yeah cool i believe that you have been looking to enhance and expand the online platforms in regards to kind of viewer experience. I know that things are still kind of very much in development, but would you be able to tell us more about what you were hoping to develop over the next few months and years with all of that? Yes, so the I find the online exhibition platform, we had to start with something in order to really test with people what would work. And the priority was to make a platform that was complementary to our collections, of which they're really different and so to make a platform that's suited to all types of collections and to really showcase the unique treasures that we have is a challenge and so the current platform really prioritized IIIF technology which is not my personal area of expertise but I've come to know a little bit about it which essentially allows us to have these really high quality zoomable images that you don't have to download you can access them more easily. And so our platform works very closely with our images database and they speak to one another to pull in a IIIF manifest that allows you to explore an artwork or another object from our collection in detail. And there's some really cool tools that you can include in an exhibition that allows you to pan across it or to tell a story across a particular object. And so I think we've user experience is really important to me. And so I do collect feedback from both back-end users, so people like the students that I've worked with recently who curate an exhibition to 
better understand the authoring experience so that I can make the platform easier to use. And then second to that, of course, is our um, front-end users and their experience of an exhibition, um, whether they feel that they were guided through successfully and I suppose features that they feel might be missing. So one of the features that I feel I'd like to see platform in the near future is some feedback mechanism so that people exploring exhibitions can contribute to that discussion or that story potentially or onto it. It's something that we do in physical spaces. We obviously have interactives and people can augment information or leave or share information more easily. And it's something we just don't have on the platform at the moment. But it is a it's a project that I don't think will ever have a completion. I think it's meant to be something that responds to our needs. And I'm still working out what those needs are with all of our different users. And I think the next few years will be very exciting. And the more that we use it, the more we realize what we don't have. So, for example, just working with ECA again with undergraduate students who work regularly with my colleague Elizabeth with our rare books collection. And they respond to items in the collection with an artist book of their own. And currently, we're not well set up to things that aren't collections items. We built it mainly for things that are accessioned um, and have metadata and all those kinds of things, but not really for preparatory drawings or for an artist's work that isn't in a collection. And mm-hmm. it's something that we may wish to you know, improve upon so that we can pair things that are collections items with things that aren't. And also things that are not digitized to a standard that we're used to, for example, you know, reference images that are taken of CRC material. Is that something we'd like to include? Is there a way to do that that makes it look great? Um, these are still questions we're figuring out as we move, work with more people. And I think that's the my plan is to keep producing, not to let it limit us, to keep making things and to record where the gaps are and see how we can successfully fill those gaps with new more development work on it Mm, quite a nice time for experimentation definitely I think it's a it's a place that allows for experimentation because you can go back and edit things Um, you can try things and if they're not successful you can go and um, change it you can change a narrative you can change images I think it's we're lucky in that but it is also something that in working with some of the student curators is also to know when to stop because it's not like a physical exhibition that has that cutoff date. It's also know when maybe a project is done and you don't want to keep iterating on it. So that's a slightly to the opposite of what I say, which is great that you can continue to develop a story is maybe some are stories that need to be paused where they are and we move on to different projects. Mm, it's a bit like what you were saying before about, you know, do you choose to have have the online exhibitions available in that space forever or can they be treated in that snapshot in time kind of thing? I think uh, it's, I've got so many questions myself for the platform and I would love to spend more time, I think over the summer to really think about, I guess, legacy and to think about uh, what we want from the platform long-term and it's okay that we don't have the answers now and I'm excited to I guess, develop and figure out what we're going to do before we have hundreds of exhibitions on there. I think that would be my my preference because then it becomes more administratively challenging. It's better to have a plan in place and 
make sure that we, with all those that have already contributed to that wonderful exhibitions that we have, that they're involved in that process because it may or may not impact, you know, their projects. And particularly with students, is it's a really great portfolio link to have. And I'm very mm-hmm. conscious that, you know, five years from now, if that isn't there anymore, you know, that that portfolio link is no longer available to that student. And it's something that I am thinking about as a as a priority is to think about students and the work they do with us. It's a little bit different for us as staff. Obviously, we, you know, we archive things ourselves and we know what projects we contributed to. But once people go on to, you know, other opportunities, they may still want to refer back to the great projects they did with us. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So often an exhibition might involve some sort of observance or anniversary and obviously the date or the time that the exhibition is planned is kind of a bit obvious or when it becomes available to the public is obvious because it's it's marking that but also exhibitions will deal with some topical conversations in general or simply highlight a collection and highlight some research that's gone on with a particular collection recently. Are there any particular aims that the CRC have in terms of what they choose to, to showcase or bring forward? I would say that we definitely within the CRC have aims of what we'd like to see within our wider exhibition program. So we would like to see balance, obviously representation across our collections, but definitely to start bringing in stories that are not always the easy stories to tell. I think we are very, um, phrenology was a perhaps a start for me and my post of um, uh, telling difficult stories with our collections. Mm. Uh, we do run into some challenges in that we also have inquiries. We're not just as a department, we don't just produce exhibitions that we propose. We also facilitate research that comes from across the university and deliver exhibitions as part of the research output and so it's a balance between our aims and also being a service and support to the wider university it tends to be where the anniversary sort of exhibitions come from is that we have obviously uh, colleagues who want to mark important years for perhaps a school so that's not uncommon and for example over the summer we'll be working with the friends of the university edinburgh university library who are also marking a anniversary year and we do want to support, you know, our various stakeholders, in that case, an external stakeholder. We also want to support our colleagues in, you know, academic colleagues who have research outputs. So it is a difficult balance. And I think what we do think about also is about what our public would like. So mm. our summer exhibition is also an exhibition that will be on during Fringe. And that's when we have a lot of international visitors. So something that I try to do is I welcome all ideas, but try and encourage the approach that we take with that to be something that is appropriate to the time in which it is shown. So if it's over the summer, it needs to be really publicly accessible. It ideally should be a topic that most people would find relevant or can engage with. Um, So our forthcoming exhibition, um, Robert Bonfield, is street photography from the 50s and 60s, which is really engaging and really easy to um, I think to understand and appreciate as a as a general member or member of the public, whereas some of our other collections do require a little bit more storytelling or thinking carefully about how we can make that interesting to someone who isn't a subject matter expert. We do have our uh, sort of winter, autumn, winter program. So that's our second exhibition in the year. 
And that is when students are back. They're obviously away over the summer. So we also think very carefully about, you know, who is on campus at the end of the year and who will be able to visit. So there are definitely different, there are different things at play when it comes to thinking about our program. And generally, uh, if we have somebody who has funding and has a project idea that they want to realize, it's also just about how do we help them shape it to ensure that there's that relevance and ensure that there's that engagement. Because I think, truly believe there's something interesting about everything. It's just about really uncovering what that is. It's not an anniversary. Mm -hmm. So the anniversary itself is not the interesting part. It's a welcome opportunity to celebrate, but we should always find what is the, what is special about that collection? What is significant? And how will someone, uh, you know, relate to that who isn't maybe uh, from the community of the university who's maybe never heard of that type of object before or never seen something like it before is what can we bring to the table and can it be done through programming so my colleagues Laura and Ruthann will be working with communities and other groups to help I guess mediate that uh, relationship between our collections and the communities that we want to bring in so I think there is a way to do it with just about any type of collection or any type of topic it just requires a little bit of creativity mm. yeah nicely put Do you have a recommendation of somewhere to go, perhaps a favourite exhibition or gallery in Edinburgh or, or across the world? Uh, my favourite museum is the Welcome Collection and their displays in London. And it's the reason why is, again, it's a very, very unusual collection about the human body. And it's a very peculiar collection. And they do the most amazing displays and, and a program of temporary exhibitions that I think really respond to the human condition. So the fact that you can have an exhibition about teeth and about like the history of dentistry that can be really relatable to average everyday people using a collection of things like dentures is I just think they're the most creative team and they work really well with contemporary artists and they put a lot of money into that. So they have um, really great installations and commissions specifically for those exhibitions to bring a historic collection I think into the 21st century and it's a problematic collection too and its history is also really problematic with Henry Welcome but they've also done some great fiction projects so as part of my own research they did the Phantom Museum and they've got a really great book and it has a number of great authors who have responded to the collection and given each object a fictional story. So they really do the kind of work that I'm really passionate about. And it just shows that weird objects about the human body that might not appeal to most people is a really popular venue um, in London. <laughs> and it's just because it had that creative approach that you might not get. It's the same collections that you get at NMS and at all because it's also one of those collections that's widely distributed, just like Challenger. But it depends. It just shows what people do with it. So even NMS has a current display, I think, of welcome material on, on display. And it'll be completely different to what the welcome collection does in their own space. So their permanent display, Medicine Man, is very, very good. And they have a, a rolling series of exhibitions, of which my favorite was about perception and illusions, illusionists. That, that is a, a great place to, that's for free, um, which is really important and has a really great 
bookstore and shop that thinks very carefully about how they can, because museums still need to be self-sufficient and they need to make money in some ways, that they work very carefully to provide a really great shopping experience together with their museum experience. Uh, and it's just very clever. On the stories front, I read things. I'm like, I feel like I've read the story before and you start thinking about the connections between different collections and so go to many. I mean, they always say that, you know, if you're interested in a, in a, in a field of work, you know, try and, you know, experience collections and exhibitions and permanent displays as widely as possible. And permanent displays are really interesting because they often tell the history of our field because they haven't been changed in 20 years. So go look at them and look at what hasn't changed and um, what can be quite alarming there. So it's really important for us to look at what has come before and, Places like Oxford with their, you know, Ashmolean is on purpose, is left the way it is for us to learn from that organizing principle and to remind us that we still do that. We still put things together and that's problematic. And to remind us that it's not something we should take lightly, that when we put things in the same case together, they have a relationship and a conversation that could be problematic. So I encourage everyone to explore the history of our work wherever you can find it. And they're often really outdated, off-debate and track museums that don't have any funding to change anything. So enjoy them. They tell us <laughs> a lot about the work we've that's come before. Mm, yeah. I've just thought of something really a, a useful uh, example of a good changing the story or something of a museum is making something relevant. Is One of my favorite museums is in Paris and it's a hunting museum and it's very, very beautifully curated. And it's all about dead animals and hunting. But what they did is the director of that museum brought in contemporary artists to respond to the collection. And now it's this sort of weird cabinet of curiosity, but it's very contemporary and it's very compelling and it's a little bit weird and there's stuffed animals and there's, there's guns that are not real because an artist has made one that sort of challenges what you see. And there's a little bit of fiction, so that's why I like it. And I think it just showed that a museum that can have a really peculiar topic as it's as what it originated as it can be really transformed into something really beautiful and peculiar and um, I highly highly recommend you know visiting museums that have done that I think the other one is a really good example is Time Span which is up north which has gone from just a social history museum to this really cool contemporary art hub so you can change the narrative of a collection and it can be the same collection, but just by by overlaying it with a different angle or a different story. You've been listening to We've Got History Between Us. The guest was Bianca Packham. The host was Lily Mellon. This session was recorded on April 22nd, 2022. Episode edited by Lily Mellon. This was part two of episode eight of We've Got History Between Us. Part one introduced Bianca Packham's career path. This episode gave information on the physical and online exhibitions which the university provides. And the third part will cover some wider conversations about the sector and exhibitions process. You can visit the Student of Light exhibition at the main library in George Square between May and September 2022.